now, as of now, you're recorded, and I'm going to try and now go on live on YouTube. Okay. That's it, baby. Take them off. Let's see that pretty face. I did look at my hair. Right, right. Both of us. Damn. Bill's a mess. Me and you, we're together, though. We could go out. <laughs> Bill, if we brought Bill with us, if we went out right now, people would be like, oh, you brought your dad with you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, lots of love in a room. <laughs> we, could, we could seriously roll around, me and you, and say that's our dad. And people, people, people. <laughs> look at me all white and stuff. I look like Santa. <laughs> we're brothers. Yeah, we brought our dad out tonight. He doesn't get out too much. <laughs> <laughs> Are we on live or what? No, what not yet. No. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, shit. I was telling Bill, I told Mike Kiesa, listen, because he's got the, that thick beard. All right, guys, we're live. All right. You want to finish your thought there? Yeah, I told him. I said, I'm not shaving until we win this case. That's it. All right, That's good. It. Well, you're going to tell us all about the case. But before you do, I just want to welcome everybody uh, who's tuning in tonight to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. If you don't know yet by now, my name is Mark DeMeo. I'm here with my co-host, my partner in all things law enforcement, Bill Cannon. What's up, buddy? What up? <laughs> and we have a, a guest, a recurring guest now. This is probably your fourth or fifth time on the show. It's always a pleasure to have you. If you don't know, he's a retired NYPD. He's also an attorney at large that rants for, he just ran for Queens DA here in, in New York City. What's up, Joe Murray? How are you? Yes. What's up, my brothers? Thank you. Appreciate uh, having me on again. Yeah, you're doing a lot of work out there. A lot of fun. A lot of stuff happening. What's tell us what's happening right now. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, uh, the, the biggest problem is that we don't have juries and that's been slowing things down, but our administrative judge has taken great steps. You know, uh, I don't know if you remember, Rod, um, he was the deputy commissioner, first step, Grasso. He's now the supervising judge of Bronx criminal court, but he's been appointed by the chief judge to handle all of the unindicted felony matters to, as an initiative to try to dispose of them. So, uh, you know, as you know, I mean, without juries and grand juries, we're, we're really struggling. So, Joe, uh, what does that mean? They're just going to basically forgive people that have felonies? Sadly, I've been seeing, you know, uh, the pleas that are coming out are very, very light. There's programs involved. So if I want to steal a Maserati, now is the time. Well, it's not for all people, you know, <laughs> trust me, if you get caught, you're going to do a hard time. You know, there's, uh, there's a bias going on here. There's certain, uh, I don't want a Maserati anyway. I'm happy with my <laughs> least Acura. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but anyway, uh, you know, we're struggling civilly too, to get civil cases. That was the big threat with the civil case. Hey, fine. Let's go to trial. I'll put my people in. Can't do it. I don't have trials. We don't have juries. So, you know, we're struggling on that end, but the judges are really, you know, taking the initiative to try to conference and settle the cases more aggressively. Yeah, um, but, um, you, you're a defense attorney, aren't you? I do civil litigation too. I do some plaintiff work and defense work. I mean, so. it works in your behalf in a way when you're trying to come up with a, a good deal for a client right now is, uh, 
Yeah. Like Bill was saying. It is. It, it, it's, you're getting, uh, you know, some, some pleas that you're not normally going to get, you know, just to move cases along and get rid of them. You know, you mentioned um, something about the, uh, how it's working in different ways. And just today I did a podcast earlier with this, uh, with Mike Cologne, MC Audio. That, that kid's fantastic, man. Yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be uh, having his own yeah. Maserati without having to steal it. He's a young kid. He's 20 years old. He's got charm and, and, and charisma and person. He's a, a perfect package. He's smart. He's smart, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, a, what a memory. The guy knows everything from the job. I could. He was telling wow. me stuff. I was like, yeah, I didn't know. Well, you know well, Mark, do you know that he's watched every single one of our podcasts? Uh, he probably had, he has one of those memories. where right, he's I was flattered by that. He goes, I love you guys. He's watched oh, every wow. damn See podcast. That? I was like, yeah. wow. That's great, man. You know? I hear that a lot. Trust me. I hear from a lot of people when I've done your show, particularly during my campaign, when you guys did that, you know, double header, I got called by so many people in law enforcement, a lot of federal officers that I had no relationship with were reaching out like, oh, we love that show. It's fantastic. You did a great job. We're backing you. They were volunteering to help my campaign. So you know, I, I was told after one of those shows that you were your runner-up for being Cosmopolitan Bachelor of the Month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd be a good bachelor. No, but you're not a bachelor. You're married anyway. That's right. But listen, my point was this. I, I wanted to finish on this. What we were talking about, me and this kid, was about the train, the subway. I actually know somebody who got a summons for uh, going through the thing. He opened the door for somebody coming through with a bicycle, whatever, and then he went through with him, and he got a summons. And, uh, you know, Bill is always uh, talking about how it's supposed to be free. This guy happened to be, um, he happened to be a Caucasian. So then I'm thinking, well, is that something that's going on here where we're only going to summons? Uh, do you think that, that that's really going on? I think it's happening. No, it's the path of least resistance. I mean, who wants to, to, to be accused of a racist and attacked? I mean, these poor cops, what they go through, it's horrendous. Well, Joe, you know, how about even even when we were cops, that summonses below 96th Street cost more money? <laughs> that's right. Anything how, south of 96th fair, Street. How fair is that? Yeah. Yep. Well, that's Incredible. interesting, man. I can't believe that, that that's what we've come to right now. And Yeah, it's terrible. Identity politics, you know, it, it, it's, you know, what you look like versus, you know, what you're doing. Well, how about once they institute all these speed and red light cameras? That's going to be well, like horrendous. I got to tell you something. That is really it's something I, I'm so far behind in all the work I'm doing. Uh, Mike Riley, uh, I've been talking to him about that. He's just up in arms about it because he's a member of the legislature. He's a retired lieutenant. He's an assemblyman. Uh -huh. And the law only allows for, uh, I forget the amount, the total amount. I was talking to him with him, and now the city is upping it to like 2,000 with their creative interpretation of the law. So, you know, I think it's time that we uh, we strike back a little bit and rein yeah. them in. Let me ask you a question. You're going through a question, you're going through a, a shady neighborhood. Uh, it's, uh, it's something that you have to go through on your way home from work. You're at a light, there's nobody there, but you know, you're getting approached or, or you just, it's not, listen, I'm not saying take a light, but I'm just saying if you, it used to be like, certain neighborhoods it was understood but now you got that light that camera that they specifically put there how are you going to beat that you're done yeah 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was tough. The cameras, the speed cameras, that's the big thing. They're installing these speed cameras all around. They're supposed to be for school safety, and they have them in these designated school safety zones. However, around. they're used all night. You know, they run them well past school hours. It's really just a money grab. Yeah. Yeah, I don't go more than 25 miles an hour. Uh, tw between 20 and 25, I don't care who's behind me. I'm not getting another summons. And I don't know where these cameras are because they pop up all the time. And the True. funny thing is they put them in places where you might be prone to speed. Like, for example, you know, I live in the Bronx. You're getting off the Cross Bronx Expressway. You're going to take the Third Avenue Bridge. You just sat on the Cross Bronx Expressway. There's a, a, a little spot there where you could get, you know, you're just so frustrated about sitting on that Cross Bronx Expressway. When you're going to take the third Avenue bridge, you, you're going to drive, you're going to do 30. It's like, it's, and that's a release. Yeah. And then, and then they get you every time I, I've gotten yeah. so many of those. You know, something I was on talk about these speed cameras and these red light cameras. I was out on long Island on old country road. Every other light has a red light camera. And, you know, I keep on ways and it just ways spots them all for you. Uh, red light camera yeah. coming up. Red, red light. light. I'm like, what the hell is this? Why don't they just put a cash register there with a, yeah, a guy? That's you know, what it is. And that's it is. Not it, what it's it was... disgraceful. It's really yeah. disgraceful. Yeah. You know what? You want to talk a little bit about the state attorney general today got destroyed by the New York Post in an op-ed in regards to her hit piece on the NYPD from the riots in the summer. What do you think about that? You know, I didn't see that, but I got to tell you, she's a train wreck. She has been doing all this crazy stuff, uh, you know, going after the NRA, NRA, which is now relocating into Texas, <laughs> seeking, you know, uh, the shelter of uh, a more friendly state. But why? Why are you doing all this stuff? I mean, it, it's you're supposed to be helping the people. We have this huge corruption case going on in Mount Vernon. This poor cop who's a whistleblower just wants to clean up his department and, and he loves what he does. He loves being a cop. And unfortunately, they're not, they're ignoring us. You know, they're ignoring him. They won't give him, uh, you know, any respect over there. They constantly retaliate against him. We've reached out to the governor and the attorney general. They ignore it. Ignore it. There's nothing in it for him. It's a small little town, Mount Vernon. Well, you know, Cuomo's another train wreck. I mean, oh you talk God. about a train wreck. That's why she's a train wreck, because she works yeah. for a train wreck, you know? I, I just can't understand that. I mean, I, I, I got to tell you, I love, you know, what I do. I love my practice. I love helping people, and I love being involved in the law. There he is, Joe. You see yourself on the screen? Oh, yeah. Look at Joe, that. Joe Murray for Queens District Attorney. That's and, right. Now can you just use that same picture, just slap a different year on it or what? There you go. Why not? <laughs> hey, hey, has there ever been a more handsome guy ever? <laughs> Look at that, man. Holy Look shit. At that. Look at Easy. That. Listen. Look at those mitts. Oh, my Look God. And he's got Look a mean that. right. He's got a mean right hook. It's like yes. he got a fit on. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, look at that. Listen. Oh, he's, what'd you oh, say? He's clenching the say? fist during this one. He's getting, that's the play. He's going to take them all on right now. Somebody was mounted off over there. There's a there's a young Joe Murray next to right. on the left Lee Pactor, a Lee Pactor and Pactor. Eric Winbush. Eric Winbush, hey, great Eric Winbush. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Eric Eric Winbush used to train at um, Lost, Lost Battalion. Battalion. That's right. And that's where I used to box. And Eric Winbush uh, was telling me the story one day when he fought uh, Evander Holyfield. Yes. And and Eric Winbush he he told me this move about. Picking up the guy's uh, elbow in the corner and 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 
it was a beautiful move that he told yeah. me. But he, was he, was telling, he was telling me back then what a great cheater Evander was. Really? Back then. I'm talking about 19, in the 19, uh, well, maybe two, 19, it was the 1990s. Wow. He was telling me that he never faced a bigger, like a better cheater. He knew how to do everything. And that's what frustrated Tyson in the fight. Yeah. That that he was getting out cheated. <laughs> he was getting out cheated. You know something? Lee Pachter has one of the most famous lines that I always quote. Actually, two lines. He used to say, you know why I'm not a chief? And I'd be like, why, Lee? He goes, that damn sergeant's test. <laughs> <laughs> and his second one was he'd see people urinating on the street. And he'd say, why are you pissing on the street? There's a perfectly good elevator in that building to pee in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a regular. He was a funny guy, right? He is such a funny guy. <laughs> I don't know if people that are in the live chat understand what we're talking about, but a lot of give housing a projects, the, people the use the elevator chat. as a bathroom. So we just... Yeah. Uh, Dawn Marie's out there. I remember when I lived in New York, we would go to church with Joy, uh, Jerry Cooney. And yeah... Jerry Cooney. Jerry, Hunting, you know, he was an honorary coach yeah. of our team. And uh -huh. he came and went to London and Ireland with us. He was great, Jerry. We would spar with us. We would spar at the downtown letter club. Like he he got in there with us. Look to the body that he had. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Was, you, he, you know, was he was he of Joe Murray? Listen, you know, <laughs> I got in there with the big guy. But I, I gotta tell you, Jerry, as big as he is, like his style, just that crouching style, you know, and he was like, Are you kidding me? You know, I'm not even close to as tall as he is. He goes, Come on, get in there, you know, Six. protect yourself. Uh -huh. So and yeah, then, it was great. And, great and working with him. At, um, at, a, at a gig that I was doing for uh the other boxing guy. What's his name? Uh, Terry Atlas. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, let's see. Uh, who else? Oh, I, do, I, I just want you guys to know women weaken legs. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Shirley yes. A. Connolly, hello from Burlington, Ontario, Canada. These Look are all the, 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 the duty run reach. people. These duty run people are following us all over. God, you know, I, God bless duty run. Thank you, duty runs fans, for staying with us. We are pretty Cat funny. Cat in the hat is out there. She's That's out there, great. yeah. I like Cat in the hat. And, uh, uh, Dookie, Dookie 4000. Yes, but we're 86 years old, Dad, and get them all the time. An old country road. Yes, you're talking about the... Um... Are the cameras. Yeah. So we have this thing called the 40 and over fight club. It's really the 50 and over fight club. And we get together on the weekends and we spot. There's some former uh, pros that, that train with us, guys from the boxing team. But because of COVID, they shut our gym down. But we used to go to the gym... And then we go out to eat, and there's a place, Bocce, off of uh, Old Country Road over there. And yeah, we go there every yeah. Saturday after the gym, and they just hang out and eat. So now we just go there and eat. We don't train anymore because the gym's closed. But, you know, uh, Joe, sometimes I drive out to Long Island just to go to that store, Total Wine. You ever been to that place? Total Wine. Yeah, huh. it's like the size of about eight football fields, and it's just a wine liquor store. Wow. It's unbelievable. It's the best, you know. I just love to go there because it's – it's like being in wine paradise, you know? But you, you guys don't <laughs> hit each other in the head, do you? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, this is really? real. This is real. And now, still? Why we use the that? big gloves. We use the 16 ounces, you know, but we, uh, you know, we're going. 
I mean, no, uh, saying, though. And, you and gotta then, see you know, this. What he had at 50 years old, a, a good shot to the noggin. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's great I, though. Just, just to try to stay you know in what, shape. Though, honestly though, there's nothing like getting punched in the face. It kind of sort of wakes you up. I remember like when I'd get in there and I'd start to bounce around and I need it. Oh, okay, good. All right, here we are. Oh, all right. Good. You know, it kind of sort of like, uh, it's a hard thing to explain. Our fans, don't do this at home. It, it kind of puts you in the mood, doesn't it? It's, it's self-correcting, boy. When you get you get stung like that, you're like, all right, I'll, I'll keep that left that up. You nice know. jabs in the mug right here. It's, you know, yep. set the mask right, and then and then you're into it. You're like, all right, this is what we're doing right now, huh? Joe, right. how hard how hard is it right now at your age just to hold your arms up for three minutes? You know that that's no joke. I mean, I we know it's it, no joke. Three minutes. You're not doing three minute rounds. Are you? We're doing three minute rounds. Yeah. Why? Why would yeah. you? Do? You're gonna die. You're gonna get a heart attack. You know when I when I beat be each other into the ground. Rounds. What's that? 45 second rounds. That's it. <laughs> I, I started off the 30, but really 45 seconds is it. Well, the masters division, I think they fight a minute and a half rounds. Yeah, yeah. So three minutes is too much. What are you doing? You're gonna get a no. When I, I'm not fighting masters. I mean, I, I enjoy going to the gym, working out with the guys, but uh, I don't. I I can't afford. You know, I go to court sometimes with a black guy, and my my judge is looking yeah, yeah, at me yeah, yeah. like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, <laughs> "I didn't like the plea." <laughs> uh -huh. My so, client didn't like his bill. Yeah. <laughs> You know, there's something about, though, even if you're going to lose a fight or it, it, you feel like you're outmatched, it, it's somebody where you have a beef in the street. Like, what are you going to do? Hit me in the face? They get hit every day. Let's go. Yeah. Let's see yeah. what you got. And there's, there's no better feeling than that, you know? It does. It gives you that just self-confidence. You know, you've been hit a thousand times a day in the gym, you know, sparring. Uh -huh. So, you know, even when you're out in the street, like we were on the job, I, I would very easily, you know, happily take a punch if I had to, you know, and then it would you, go better using my hands. I didn't want anything. I yeah. Didn't want a nightstick. I didn't want a flashlight. I always felt be best having just my hands with my hands. I knew I could take care of myself. Everything else was just like, uh, it was getting in the way. Yeah. An yeah. old time street crime cop showed me how to do it. You pick the guy's head up and you use the ground as the weapon. <laughs> <laughs> You don't mess up your hands. You Listen, use the in Manhattan DA's offices, I've seen them do that. They'll, They'll charge, charge you with it. Yeah, they too. charge you with it, right? And that's the dangerous instrument. That's the weapon. Right, but, you know, it's it was good technique back in the day when they didn't charge that. Yeah. Just yeah. two or three inches off the ground and boom. <laughs> <laughs> that was an old anti-crime move because the... Yep. You know, <laughs> I, oh, I said brother. last week, I, I caught a guy one time in the cell smashing his head off the wall. Like, I just happened to be, it wasn't even my collar. I'm in the squad. I'm walking by, and this guy's sitting there, bang, bang, wow. bang. So I just thought, I, it was in the beginning of cell phones. We had a camera, so I just started recording him, and he stopped. Someone just asked us if we worked with uh, uh, Stephen Caracappa and uh, Louis Polito, and the answer is, they were on the job when we were on, but we, yeah. they were, I believe they were in Brooklyn robbery. Brooklyn, yeah. And uh, Stephen Caracappa was in major case. And that's where he gave the inside information to mobsters that uh, resulted in the, in the murder of an innocent kid that had the same name of some wise guy that they were looking to hit. 
So that guy, Carrot Kappa, was a piece of shit. So was Ippolito. Ippolito wrote a book while he was on a job called Mob Cop. And he extolled the virtues of being in the mob, like a higher virtue than being a cop, you know. Yeah. There's honor, there's respect. Like, get them, you know, are you kidding me? He was in uh, he was in Goodfellas. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. What, yeah. what, what did he play in Goodfellas? I mean, just he was in, you know, he's one of the mobsters. The scene goes like this. He walks in the bar, the local bar, and he starts going through everybody's name. Remember when they said, oh, that's so-and-so two times. He says, oh, yes, yes, yes. But one of the guys that gives a toast, uh, that's Ippolito sitting there by the bar. Do you know that they're they're actually, there's a guy named Tommy Dades who uh, is good friends with Christopher Strom. In fact, I spoke to Tommy Dades on the phone. I wanted to get him on the show. But they, his book, his book, this is it, Friends of the Family, right there. They've already signed to do a, a um, HBO special, a, not wow. a special, a series. So I wanted to get him on to interview him, but I don't know. You know, I'm going to give him another call because uh, he may want to do someone bigger than us. Although I don't, can't imagine a bigger podcast than Police I Off the either. Cuff. This, this is my first stop, you know, my next election. The reality is you got to do them off. Yeah, that's true. That's the reality. Yeah, so yeah. True. If you really want to make your way around. Up, but Tommy Dades wrote this book with a couple of other guys, and he was responsible. He actually was the one that pushed to get the mafia cops charged. Because, you know, they are had they, retired. Are they still in prison? They died, and both of them died in Oh, prison. they both died. Wow. Yeah, but they, they both were free, and they were living in Las Vegas. And they had gotten away with it. And the mother of one of the kids they uh, the mob killed based on the, them feeding them information kept pushing and pushing. This guy, Tommy Dade, stayed with the case. And then he went to the uh, Brooklyn DA. And then somehow the feds got involved, you know, of course, picking up the, the scraps after everything was uh, put together. And those guys were basically going to do life in prison, but they both died in prison. A hey, Dookie 4000, my brother was in undercover narcotics in Queens North. That's a tough job. Yeah, narcotics is tough. Tough, man. Undercover anything to pre- yeah. to pretend to be someone else, you know, because, I mean, we all have these copisms and imagine trying to, you know, neither one, none, none of us three here are undercover material. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Joe, who are you, who are you going to play? <laughs> who would Mark play? Yeah, yeah. You know? If you want to blend into the mob, but the thing is, you also have to, like, um, you have a kind of... Uh, a lineage, you know, f- through the neighborhood. People know who you are. So you can't just uh, become a cop. I remember when I first got on the job and uh, for some reason I found myself on Steinway Street again. You know, I was either shopping and, you know, my old stomping grounds to story. And I bumped into a whole bunch of people that I grew up with. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. yo, what's up? This, that, and the other. And That's like, why they don't, they don't want you living and working in the same place, you know? One of them yeah. says to me, uh, Oh, yo, did you really become a cop? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got six months on this, that, and the other. I'm working over here. And one by one, before you know it, I was standing by myself. (laughs) One by one, everybody took off. I was like... You know, I was working in street crime, and they used to have in the South, they'd have these groups that would do front window breaks. And they would set up on the window, you know, guys looking out and everything. And they would would usually take a, a fire hydrant cover and throw it through the window. And then knock the rest of the glass out and just, you know, fleece the place. 
So I, I had to get a little close. And as I'm walking by, the, the guy goes, hi, officer. And I, you know how, like, you always do this. And I just kept walking, you know. And then when I walked back, um, he, he did it again. So I slapped the shit out of him. <laughs> that was back in the day when you could do that, you know? Yeah, I remember Mike, Mike Sheehan would tell me stories. when he. I think out of the academy, he became an undercover. And he was doing, like, the, the weather underground. And uh, he, he got made once. Somebody, you know, Sheehan's bar. They had, you know. That's right. He had a bar on the Upper East Side. The family and, owned the bar. Yeah. And somebody made him, you know, and they had to pull him out. So That's scary. You know, that same thing, like an anti-crime, when you're out on the street and you're there by yourself, you can become the target of the robbers that you follow. Yes. All of a sudden, there's yeah. no one else there. And they say, they look at you and you're like, oh, shit, this is what it's like to be a victim, right? You yeah. know, if you want to see a really great, uh, Bill was talking about the Night Stalker and he's doing a whole bunch of uh, shows about uh, the Night Stalker. But if you want to see another great one, too, we'll go back to the Night Stalker, but there's one about these. Uh, they get. They try to get a submarine. Uh, I, I, oh yeah, I saw that, that one. Yeah. Occupation of something like that. Operation Odessa, and it's a, this guy from Brooklyn, a Russian guy who his partner gets whacked. They were working for the mob, so he winds up in Miami. And next thing you know, he's friends with one Colombian, another guy, and they start doing little favors for the cartel. Like, and when Russia fell, this guy goes out and he gets a couple of helicopters. Now they try to get a submarine for the cartel. Right, they were, they were going to move cocaine with the submarine. Yeah, wow. yeah. But it's it's a great, great documentary. I don't even know how we, how I got started. Yeah, I, I watched that too. <laughs> it's a good one. It really is good though, man. I mean, if... <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned about sometimes the undercover becomes the victim. When I was in the 115, I did the conditions unit. We did like all the, you know, we had a lot of transvestite prostitutes and they would the, they would leave their condoms all over the place. So the community would come to the precinct and we they would send us out there. And, you know, we were just in plain clothes watching the corners. They would approach the cars. You had to make observations before you could arrest them. And uh, it was kind of like a gay area over there too. So, you know, we would hold our asses and, you know, just try to blend in and sitting there and some guy took offense to us. Like we were goofing around with him telling him he's cute and stuff. And uh, he just started throwing rocks at us from down the block, <laughs> threw a bottle at us. I was like, wow, a bias incident here. <laughs> sure. us, did, you develop, did you develop a lisp to do that job? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you're right. I mean, it happens. You're yeah. out there, you're trying to blend in and, you know, no. Mark was talking about it, uh, and if you haven't watched The Night Stalker, it's probably one of the best documentaries I've ever seen, but even for a cop, Mark watched it, I watched it, I was in Homicide for 10 years, it's very disturbing. It's a yeah. very disturbing uh, documentary when you, you can't believe this guy was this much, he was a devil, he was an animal, you know? This guy was going into people's houses in the middle of the night, and then I remember one of the ladies saying, I don't want to live in a place where I have to lock my doors. And I'm thinking to myself, when you live in New York City, right? Not only do I lock my doors, but if I have a window that anybody could get in, like 13 stories or below, I'm putting a gate on it. Like I go to my locksmith 
and I buy the steel metal gate. Like you can, you, I'm gonna die in a fire before I can I can find the keys to get out of this gate. But at least I know nobody's breaking in. And these people are living out there. They don't want to lock their doors. People, it, this guy just walked into people's houses and killed families. But you but know, he, he also he also sexually abused and raped kids. Yeah, that was another thing too. He was he was stealing kids, so they they couldn't put the. Two it was together. it was just I mean his crimes were horrendous, and in fact, the detective who was the um, the most important character in this, his name was Gil Carrillo. He was a big. He was young when it happened. He was you know maybe had 10, 12 years on the job, and he hooked up with a sergeant who had worked on the Hillside Strangler. So you know L.A. is no stranger to serial killers. Uh-huh. But this guy, Gil Carrillo, knew from the first uh, incident that this was a sexually related um, killer. That he, Well, it turned out in about five or six months, he killed about 14 people. Wow. He would go out every night, this guy. Yeah. And, but just... just uh, it was like his job. Yeah. I mean, well, actually, this Wednesday, myself, Michael O'Keefe, and Irma Rivera are doing a show on it. Uh, on critiquing, you know, there's another actually, good one uh, too on Netflix, the the Ripper one. Yeah, the Ripper from England. Yeah, we did because we did that, a show that on that one. You could, you know, I hate to say it, but that was like a botched up. Oh yeah, that was a bad investigation. They yeah they they, they, they uh, got they got tunnel vision uh, with the uh, looking for a prostitute killer. And right. So many cases before that that didn't have anything to do with prostitute. This guy was looking what whatever was available. Well, he was driving around. Didn't have to be a prostitute. I, I would imagine sometimes it was easier to get him in the car if they were prostitutes. Yeah, and but nobody he, nobody missed them really, right? Oh, we had that guy Joel Rifkin. That's Remember right. him? He was yeah. the. Well, even they talk about the Gilgo Beach uh, murders were mostly uh, sex workers, and a lot of people feel that the reason it isn't solved is that the detectives didn't try as hard. Well, I don't I don't buy that, but. People say that they didn't work as hard because they were sex workers. I, I don't think that's true, but eh, I, don't yeah. I don't either. I don't either. But there's a lot of people that say that, you know. Yeah, I, I don't buy it. No. Yeah. Well, Mark, you, you were talking about the um, the case in, in England and the, the document, the people that did that documentary, the whole premise was that it was crimes against women. She, the, the woman tried to make it political. The one who made the yeah, there uh, was a little at the end. There was a political overtone that, you know, if there was a female uh, investigating this, that they, you know, but they did go tunnel vision. You know, that, that's something that happens during the course of uh, an investigation when you feel like you have. Uh, but the, the disregarding of other evidence that was. Well, that was, they had a, the, the bosses that ran that investigation were horrible yeah. because the detectives came to them and said, this is the guy, this is the guy. And the, the chief wow. screamed at him, get out of my office. He's not the guy, you know, it was like. Does he have a porgy accent? Yeah, right. And he said, no. And he said, then get out of my office. Because a guy no sent a tape in saying he was the ripper. Yes. And, oh, wow. and it wasn't him. It was a hoax. The guy was submitting the tapes. Right. You know, he's the bosses in, in, in those tapes, which was yeah. uh, it was just some crazy person. <laughs> so, uh, the whole thing is horrible, but but you know, something even well, I'll get into it Wednesday night, but they made a couple of big mistakes on the uh, the night stalker too that enabled him to stay out there. One of the things they didn't realize was in 1984, 
he raped and murdered a nine-year-old girl in the basement of a hotel. But the DNA didn't come back till 2009 because there was wow. no DNA technology at yeah, that time. Yeah. And officially, his, his reign of terror started in 1985, I believe. Uh, but there, there was no DNA back then. A lot of the things he did, if there was DNA, he would have got caught right away. But I'll get into it Wednesday night. I don't want to. So how often do you think that happens here on our job? You know, I was I was not allowed to be in the detective bureau, but uh, <laughs> I, I understand that we all had so much more respect for our detectives and, and gave them the freedom of investigation. Right. Or did you find that sometimes a boss would want to close a case so bad? And, you know, sometimes push. we were directed to investigative direction by one PP or the PC that we didn't agree with. And it turned out to be wrong. And then they had to do a backtrack. But the PC or the chief of D's tells you to do it. You do it. You know, yeah. you can't say, I don't think that's the one, you know. You'll be riding a radio car right. with me if you don't. <laughs> it's, it's a paramilitary organization. They tell you what to do. You have to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. But I remember on a couple of big cases, they told us to do shit that everyone was like, no way. Yeah, we got to do it. Brian Investigative Group says the brass sometimes commits early to a theory in a case and are not persuaded to look different points of view or different theories that would contradict them. Yeah. He's definitely. 100% right, you know. Yeah. One of the things you see in the, in the, um, in the Night Stalker is the detective and the, the famous sergeant that he worked with, I don't have his name at the tip of my tongue right now, they went out drinking a lot. And that's where they talked about what they were doing and what was going on. And it wasn't just to talk. It was also, it was a very stressful investigation. Mm -hmm. And the horror of it was tough to deal with, even for seasoned even homicide detectives. Right What's that? Even talking about it right now. That's why I make sure I... Yeah, you're drinking. You, you were so upset, you, you poured yourself a drink. <laughs> I stay lubricated. Yeah, I'm drinking <laughs> Poland Spring. I'm so upset. <laughs> yeah. So That's a valuable tool, though. I, I still do it, even with, you know, other attorneys going back and forth, trying to figure out, you know, what the missing pieces are and, and you know, what evidence to focus on. We just sit there bullshitting and... Uh, you know, oil up a little bit and uh, <laughs> you're spit shooting. we solve all these cases. <laughs> you spit, well, spitballing, you know, yes, spitballing. It's just sitting around spitballing and, and thinking about who would think, like, what would somebody not think of? Same thing right. when I'm thinking of jokes. What's the angle nobody would think of? That That's what makes a joke exciting for me. But when you're solving crimes, it's the same thing. You know, sometimes you got to think right. out of the box, you know, sometimes. Right. I remember when I was in the warrant unit and I used to go to uh, somebody's location, an address that I had in an apartment. And uh, I was with my partners. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if they weren't home, I used to go in the bedroom. I said, where does, it, where does he lay his head? Where does he sleep? And they'd show me in there. And then I'd go look at the bed and I'd look out the window. My partners would be like, what are you doing? And like, I want to see the world the way he sees it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, and I would always catch the guy. <laughs> I always, I always mention uh, the detective I had, Joe the Lip, who on every case had a million theories, and after a while, you'd be like, "All right, shut up," you know. <laughs> yeah, and then some of the theories would be so off the wall. You know, I used to say, 
Joe, stop hypothesizing and theorizing and start typerizing. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, man. But that is the way you solve a case. Detectives have to talk to each other. They yeah. have to, you know. At the whiskey says, my granddad was in San Francisco at the time. He said, uh, let the night stalker try this house. Watch what happens. <laughs> Yeah. That's that's also an interesting thing too, because we go back to uh, I don't want to I don't want to live in a place where I have to keep my doors locked, or that type of attitude. And God bless you, man. We should all be able to live like that. Yeah, that's very naive, so, though. You know, that's very naive. When, when this guy's creeping around, I don't. If, if this guy, if you told me that something like this happened in Queens, I live in the Bronx. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna lock my doors now. Yeah. You know, he had one guy during this thing, and he shoots the guy's wife in the head. And then he shoots the other guy in the head and the guy chases him out of his house into the street. That yeah. guy's badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the is, night stalker yeah. took off, man. And he was like, he ready. chased him. Yeah. He chased him out after being shot in the head wow. and they, him and his wife both survived. He did a lot of like, he was busy, man. It's really hard to catch somebody when they're doing stuff every night or every other night. Like this yeah, guy was out. Like yeah. He was, he, was out. he did two, night. two or three a night sometimes. Yeah. Like it's that's how do you catch that guy? You know, by the time you get there and you start investigating and put two and two together, three more crimes have happened. You know, so, you know, for the people that uh, listen and they always ask why aren't the police always, uh, you know, share their evidence with the public. There was one thing in this case that was uh, so important to keep quiet, and they put it out there. Oh, this. The uh, yeah, the 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 shoe. That was uh, the imprint of the shoe was on every crime that? scene. That was, uh, Matt. <laughs> well, Diane Feinstein yeah, yeah. was the mayor of San Francisco and some little ball licking chief. I get figures he's going to get his ticket punched by telling the mayor all of this stuff. She holds a press conference and yeah. tells everyone about the evidence. Now, when there they get Matt. him or if he kept, you know, they can't link the cases together anymore because they just gave up the evidence. Yeah, he's, he's now going to correct it. Yeah. Yep. yeah, it's yeah, no. that was interesting. <laughs> uh, you know, Mark, I, I knew right away what it was. They told the chief, the chief was a little ball licker that yeah. wanted to get his ticket punched by the mayor. So he went in there, look what I found out. You know, he used to get little ball swabbers on our job that did that yeah. too, you know? Yeah. I had this one sergeant in mind, I won't say his name. I'd see him on the phone with the chief of D's telling him every single thing about the case. And I'd be like, hang up that phone, hang up that. What are you doing? And I'd be, I'm screaming at another sergeant. Are you out of your mind? You know? <laughs> yeah, man. We had some good detectives though. I mean, geez, I, I, I was amazed at some of the stuff, you know, the guys I work with. I remember this guy, Mike Pesh, when I was in the seven precinct. I would love that. I would hang around. With the I, squad know that, I know that lunatic. That guy was walking around ground zero unsupervised with his buddy for, for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Is he still around? I haven't talked I have to him. No, I heard he moved to Ireland or something. That's yeah. Uh, uh -huh. Oh, wow. Yeah, I forget his, his partner. Yeah, they actually, I don't know how they did it. They they walked around ground zero for like weeks. I was like, who's watching you two? A lot of people down there that had no business being Yeah, around. yeah. They were like, you know, wearing coal miners' helmets and shit. I was like, How are you what supposed you? to know? Yeah. Somebody digging in the rubble. Right, right. Know. I was like, what are you guys doing? Who's supervising you? Just, <laughs> there's people crawling around in there. At some point, you couldn't control who was going in there. You, you know, they, they kind of closed it off. But if somebody came 
dressed uh, with the with the with thing on and all that. Well, they yeah. they call it a, a guy uh, Dementry. Uh, that was his last name. He was a journalist. He was a broadcast for ABC, and he snuck into areas he didn't belong. And they told him two or three times, "Get out!" And he yeah. kept doing it, and they locked him up. And you know how hard it is to lock up someone from the press. First Amendment, yes. No, because some oh. boss will be like, no, don't lock him up. They're like, and yeah. three times, he's going, you know? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Phil Dementry, I think his name was. But, yeah, they finally collared his ass, you know? How many people during 9-11 were handing you their journalist business cards hoping that you'd have some story to tell them and call them up? There I yeah. was. The moon was full, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. The moon was yeah. sinking behind... Yeah, that was horrible. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. So all the people just walking around dazed. I just remember these people just with the blank stare on their face. You know, have you shown me pictures? Like, have you seen this person? Like, wow. Well, I that was pretty horrible, center. right? I yeah, worked at the family center. People, uh, that's a whole other thing. But the, gr the grieving center, they called it, right? Yeah. The center. Yeah. That's where I, I took missing persons reports. I collected DNA. But listen, I, I let's let's get on. Uh, so uh, now we're noticing that some states are starting to open up. Um, uh, the the guy at Newsom, whether it's the pressure of uh, recall, you know, yeah, yeah, because uh, they want to put him in, they want to get him out. Yeah, no, whether they got enough signatures yet, but I, I'm pretty sure they probably do. Uh, but Even our Cuomo is now Cuomo talking about, about it. Opening up. Um, a lot of states are, are talking about opening up right now. And we're, we're like, I don't know, about a weekend right now to a new. Yeah. I, I don't know. Did, did they find the cure or? <laughs> well, it's not even that they found a cure. Remember that this new report that they came out with, the testing was just so hypersensitive that there was so many false positives. That, but they wanted to declare this massive uh, infection rate. Cat in the hat, thank you so much for that 999 super chat. We'll round it off to 10, but thank you so much. Mark and I now can, uh, he can pour himself another drink. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Cat in the hat. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So, so what were we saying? Yeah, well, now the, uh, the rate of that testing, the WHO just came out with it, ironically, a week later after the election, that the, the protocol for the testing was too sensitive. Pick, you know, is picking up particles of virus in people that were not infected. And it was too small to be infected or considered infected. Uh -huh. And I can't help but to think that that was done purposely to inflate the numbers of infection. And it was also the CDC put out a report about comorbidities and I broke it down. It had uh, a whole breakdown of all these other comorbidities and there were the average 2.9 other, and comorbidity means cause of death. There were of, at least 2.9 other causes of death to people that they considered COVID deaths. And I went through the list I, I posted on Facebook before I delete all my stuff, but I went through the list. You would be shocked to see gunshot wound, poisoning, electrocution, falls from ladders, vehicles striking pedestrians, 
these are COVID deaths that are being considered COVID deaths. It's just shocking to me that, you know, and how misleading it is to the public to think that it's so deadly and dangerous. These people are not dying from COVID. Uh, COVID is real and people are dying, but not at the rate that they're, you know, putting out. But Joe, it also seems right now, even though that, uh, the rollout of the vaccine uh, seems to be uh, some ineptitude to it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Everything, when it revolves around bureaucracy, like I think right now, if you want to get the vaccine, you got to go to Cuomo's house upstate. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, he was on so go, you got to go to CNN and ask them if you can, you're one of their I reporters. I'm sure they get he it. He comes out, he shoots you, and then he's hey, get well, out. Come back. That moron was doing a book tour a book tour during this COVID epidemic. Can you imagine that? A, he's a moron. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? I Sometimes I'll watch his um, press conferences on Facebook just to get annoyed for a few minutes. <laughs> and when you read the live chat, these people from other states love this guy. I, I, I always write, just can't get over it. I always write, well, take him with you. Please take him the hell out of like, New York. There's a lot of people, like even Bill Maher, uh, Threw him, you know, threw him yeah, down. I saw that. He said that, uh, you know, he, he gave a backhanded compliment to with a guy in Florida. He said even that idiot got it right, you know. Right. Uh, let's uh, Sheila Shuley, uh, they've known about the testing for almost a year, but of course, magically, after the election, they changed the sensitivity, which will reduce the cases. Yep. That's what we were just talking about. Because they want to show that miraculous recovery. It's interesting. Yeah. Hey, Ryan, Ryan Investigation Group just threw us $5. Thank you, Bill Ryan, for that super chat. Bill Ryan, he's we a he's a loyal uh He's loyal, watching. man. Street crime. I always crime. see him on the Hoorah, hoorah street crime. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's being like, a Marine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just sad with all this stuff happening. And did you see the, I think it was uh, Instagram was forcing people to sign up or connect with the White House account because nobody was signing up. Are you kidding me? Trump had 88 million followers on uh, Twitter. And I think Biden, the more popular president, got more votes, only has a million, I think. Uh, on Instagram. So Instagram was artificially putting people on the account. But Joe, I think that's because his Wi-Fi doesn't work in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) It's just incredible. There was a lot of missteps along the way, you know, and I was, I was, I used to watch the apprentice periodically and he probably would have fired himself. Um, One of the missteps, I mean, it's like, um, everything goes back to Google. So like, so for example, if you're not on that platform and you can't see how to find somebody, you're lost. And Facebook, if you're not part of that, Instagram. So what they have to do is just create a duplicate of that. Whatever that is, if it's Facebook, make it our book. Just give every, same a duplicate. You don't have to do anything crazy. And just create yeah. your own network, and then we'll be even more divided. But at least <laughs> people will get to listen to what they want to listen to. It, the truth is, you're never going to be able to silence anybody. You know, you you watch the movie Quills. Do you ever see Quills? No. 
It's it's a great movie. It's about the Marquise de Sade and uh, how he wrote something. And he used to write porn back in the day in France, but he wrote something about Napoleon. So they put him in the psych ward and he was still getting his material out. Um, I'm trying to think of the actor that played him. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think Trump, end- you know, with 75 million votes, Trump media, like he could, he could do his own uh, yeah, platform. Are. I have a feeling they are. Uh, yeah. Joe, think- let me ask you a legal question. Sure. Um, with Google and Facebook and Instagram, all these places um, censoring, uh, say, conservatives, don't aren't they required to follow the law based on the Federal Communications Commission because that's who licensed them? In essence, they're a broadcast facility because they're allowing people to give their opinions. So if they are licensed by the FCC, aren't they required to follow the Constitution of the United States of America, which states that people have freedom of speech? They're still private entities. It's not the government. Google's not the government. Although there are antitrust issues because of the monopolies they have, um, you know, they're not required held to the same standard as a government, like a a government platform. There was a couple of cases that came out. You can't take people off. You can't delete comments on a government platform. You know, that's, that's a public. Yeah, but, but the fact that these platforms are licensed by a government entity by the FCC, if they weren't licensed, they couldn't operate. So aren't they required to go by the laws of this country if they're licensed yeah, but that community. licensing that licensing is not a it's it's not uh, you know closely tied to the government. There's other government licensing. I mean, we as police officers are licensed to carry firearms, but civilians are not held to the same standard. But they're licensed by the NYPD when you go. So there is some you know differences when you're a private entity. You're really not bound by the Constitution. So a lot of this can the be The 14th Amendment is the one that ties it in, you know, like you can't discriminate, uh, you know, with your practices uh, racially. Yeah, well, how about during all of this stuff when people got thrown out of restaurants because they were Trump supporters? How was that allowed to happen? I, you know, that that's, that's a political question, really. I mean... If you're going to throw people out of your restaurant, the peril is that people are not going to come. You know, if that's if that's your reputation, that's the remedy. You know, it's not so much the government. Well, the the one who was Trump's um, mouthpiece for a while, she's running for the governor governor of Arkansas. Huckabee, now. yeah, Sarah. Huckabee, she was, was thrown Sarah? out of a, she was thrown out of a restaurant with her family. Yeah, and they said to her, "No, we don't want you here. We, you're not welcome." They're doing it to police officers. You hear this? Well, Starbucks, anyone that watches this show, do not go to Starbucks. Thank you. Yeah. That's my little that's my little op-ed. Terrible. We won't serve you. I can't stand oh, and Ben and Jerry's, you've eaten Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Don't even talk to me. Right? Yeah. You know what's funny that said that they do uh because you know, uh, certain memes get or uh, when you post something, it gets a flag. This is disputable. This is uh, I couldn't know. stand that. Honestly, well, that's why I it, left those platforms. One that that um, that Biden said that those are his own words, and it says something like, uh, "You know, we've presided over the most corrupt uh, election ever." And uh, like he made a uh, 
he spoke. He misspoke. A gaff, yeah. <laughs> Instead of saying corruption free, he said corrupt. And they're posting that. And do they <laughs> flare him? Yeah, it, it, it messes <laughs> up. Like it, uh, they don't know what to do. Like how, what, uh, what do do? he said it, but it's a wrong thing. You can't post that. It screws everything up. Yeah, yeah. That's and then fun. the the uh, the parlor, they just fun, why, they didn't they just basically wiped them off the face of the uh, airwaves. Yeah, Amazon just kicked them off their service. They that's private companies can do that. That's you know their prerogative. How about uh, how about uh, those uh, they were working on the pipeline that? Um, oh, I know. Jeez, eleven thousand workers and then the plus Keystone pipeline done. Yeah. I was reading about it and, um, you know, it's something that came up during, so they had a job for four years, those people basically, because it was up and re resurrected and, uh, you know, they jumped on it, they got some work, yeah. they're out of work again. But it's uh, it's ironic that, you know, unions tend to vote Democrat because Democrat- Yeah, oh, that's changed. Democrat, um, you know, usually looks out for the unions where the Republicans are, you know, therefore uh, free to work some nonsense like that um, right to work yeah oh yeah, the right, right to work, work states right yeah yeah, right yeah. um you know so you know no party's perfect but it kind of blew up in their face because i don't know how many of those people what who they voted for but you should have seen the writing on the wall you know i mean yeah but mark how about them not letting that well i forget which company it was in queens it was gonna add like thousands and thousands of jobs and uh Amazon. A, a, yeah, AOC, Amazon. AOC and a bunch of other Queens communists turned it down or got the people to vote it down. Yeah, or but really, like, how bad did they really want to come here? They really, you think Enough that they were, they, were, they were ready to do it. Yeah, they, were ready. they were all in. They had their deal, you know? And, and these were, the were $150,000, $200,000 a year jobs. These weren't, like, you know, hot dog vendor jobs. These well, were in tech. In no. hindsight, I'm sure they're happy they never signed that deal because why would you want to be here now? Yeah. I mean, it didn't well, take AOC. Politicians it, don't always speak for the people. Shut. They speak for themselves, you know? you would have messed it up. Hey, have you named a, a bridge the DeMeo Bridge? The Mario M. DeMeo Bridge? <laughs> I haven't named any, any bridge the William J. Yeah. Cannon Bridge either. But Cuomo feels he can just slap... Mario M. Cuomo Bridge on the Tappan Zee. I'm still pissed off at that. It, it really drives me nuts. And there used to be a guy, uh, a Queens state senator. Um, forget his first name. Padavan was his name. Uh, he was in office like 30-something years. And everywhere around here in Queens, there's the Padavan Park and the Padavan this. And pa Did he donate that money himself? Did he do that? I mean, how many soldiers have died heroically in the line of duty and at war why can't we name it and they're from the neighborhood you know even 9-11 how many yeah. people died rushing into those buildings why don't we name it after them right it's just so arrogant i can't stand it well they, joe they love died. to name bridges after dead democrats dead know? democrats yeah the edward i Koch bridge the Koch 59th street robert f kennedy the triborough right Mario oh. M. Cuomo, Tappan Z. Uh, you know, give me a break. Why don't they name one after Ted? Yeah. Should name that one in, in Martha's Vineyard after him. <laughs> yeah. We, we, right. What would we do for a coach right now, though? 
I, I would take yeah. Koch any day right now. Koch hey. loved the cops, man. Koch was hey, great. Hey, how am I know? doing? How am I doing? Yeah, he was. He, yeah, he was. Imagine if De Blasio hung out in front of a subway when people were coming out and go, "Hey, how am I doing?" <laughs> oh my God, people would throw eggs at that guy. Like you know? I walked through a, an area by Brooklyn Park over there, and some guy goes, "Hey, you're an asshole, you." <laughs> I saw that was great. Could you imagine being in De Blasio's uh, security detail? You must yeah. have sold your soul to do that, oh, right? Oh God! <laughs> Anyone who's in his detail, take it from police off the cuff. You're an asshole. Because you should, yeah. how could you defend that guy? You're going to jump in front of a bullet for that guy? Please. Yeah. Well, hopefully you get first grade out of it. Yeah, that's what I mean. They sold that's, their soul. That's why they're there. That's they're, exactly why they're there. Yeah. I used to always see these little Maytagers going to the, uh, <laughs> the security, the security deal. I pulled that one out of the archives, Maytag. I used to call everyone that years ago. I used to say, you, you, if you called the perp that, he'd want to throw down with you. Remember that? Hey, you do any Maytagging lately? What? <laughs> so let, let's, uh, before we, um, let's, oh, let's give another uh, shout out to uh, whoever's on. Uh, Lorena, QR, hello from Colorado. Wow, I don't like Starbucks anyway. I only like to drink coffee at home. Have a blessed night, everybody. Uh, yeah, I, I refrain from Starbucks whenever possible. Yeah. What do you mean refrain? Don't go in there at all, period, period. If I'm stopping on a drive from, you know, for a gig, and the only thing in that freaking thing is Starbucks, and I need a cup of coffee, I'm going to get it. You know what I'm saying? I won't even do that. Those, especially now, those times are far and few between. And I used to call my kids when they were younger into roll call. I had them stand in roll call, and I would tell them what we're boycotting. I go, don't ever... <laughs> bring Ben and Jerry's into this house <laughs> ever, ever, ever. That's great. Cause they backed uh, the, the guy who killed officer yeah. Faulkner from Philadelphia. Remember they used to, be, they contributed to Abu Jamal. Yeah. Yeah. Guy who killed them. And they, they were like donating to, they're, they're two, they're two real dirtbags. Yeah, they they're, they're always on the wrong side of this. Yeah, They're uh, making yeah. millions. They're making millions, but yet they're like, Oh, we take care of her. You don't take care of anybody. You two yeah. phonies, you know, let me ask you a question. Uh, yeah. you, you got your hand on the pulse here. I trust your opinion. All right. When do you think it's going to open up in New York again? I think it's going to be quick. There's no more reason to, you know, uh, that they got what they wanted. I think Cuomo, I was praying that if Biden, you know, won, that it was rumored Cromo was going to be part of the administration. Bye, you know, <laughs> get out of here. I when mean, is Cuomo uh, up for re-election again? He is 2022, 2022. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know what's General. scary, though, with the electorate as it is in New York, they might re-elect this that dirt bag no again. that's that that's impossible please then i leave i'm done that's the last let me tell one. you something you see the clowns that are it's running a for, moron joe you see the clowns that are running for mayor one of them oh, again there's another de blasio clone gonna get elected for mayor that's sad you know this may all race i don't know where that's gonna go i mean uh do we have any hope there i mean there's a couple no, uh, everybody has so. to add to um their uh, little promo or their whatever they're, uh, they're whatever they're running on um, police reform and uh, something else that goes with it. And I'm like, what, what, yeah. what does that mean? Like, why do you have to mention 
police reform, police accountability. I would, I would mention the police. Um, you know, it's police. That's it's incredible. Like, I'm running right now because you know I noticed um, you know some people that I know that are running. It feels like it has to be part of the bill that you mentioned police reform. I don't even know what that means though. Is that good or bad? Are you going to get by police reform? You're going to hire more. You're going to put no. We're going to do away with anti-crime because you know they're a little too aggressive, and uh, we like to have our shootings up. They suppressed our shootings too much. Uh, you know, there's things like that. So yeah, but um, and you know everything comes full circle, and they'll blame the police for the rise in shootings. Yeah, but my point you know? is this: is like you're looking at somebody's. Uh, platform what they're running on and they're posting all stuff that sounds like you yeah. and then all of a sudden they gotta add a police reform in there and you're like wait a minute you had me at the first five what does that mean police reform you know what i'm saying like if everybody has to mention that in their thing like that's part of it well that's the new catchphrase now we're going to reimagine policing and how we yeah. address our community we're going to have social workers responding to jobs instead of police officers because uh, we incite the people. And, no, Joe, Joe, they're called violence interrupters. <laughs> violence. <laughs> they interrupt violence. Yes. That's what they do just by the soft tone of their voice. That's true. Sir, would you please put down that knife? <laughs> what what, what they call you. that in the Academy? The uh, transactional analysis. Yes. TA transactional analysis, <laughs> right? Don't let them hook your child. They always don't hooked my hook child, child, right? Yes. Oh, don't let them hook your child. I'd be like, Rah! <laughs> <laughs> my child yeah. was hooked. Hello, Peter Pranzo. <laughs> Peter Pranzo's in the house. Harlem I Raiders. Says, uh, love love the regular all the time. Peter Pranzo's the best, man. Harlem Raiders forever. We got to have Pete on again. You know, it's been a long time. And a shout out to Heidi Lay. She says, love these guys. Hit that like. Um, that's right hit that like button go into your safe take out 50 dollars <laughs> <laughs> remember that guy soupy sales soupy sales said that you kids watching the show go into the room take 50 dollars out of your father's no, no, wallet one dollar one dollar it was one dollar <laughs> he said take a dollar out of your your dad's wallet and send it to me <laughs> and then he got fired for that um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we but can't fire it because we're, we're, we we're our own very, bosses very here. After that. <laughs> that was a great, that was this, one of the best uh, skits that's ever been on TV. Soupy sales? Yeah. How great is that? <laughs> Go into the father's wallet, take $1 out, <laughs> and then send it to me. He was showing the kids how to mail a letter. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh, I wish. So, I Joe, uh, any big paydays recently? Now, nah, you know, it's a lot of uh, slow down in the courts because of all this stuff, you know. For our, for our fans, yeah. this is um, retired police officer Joe Murray, who his story of how he left the police department and became an attorney is a story on another episode, which was fascinating. Yeah. But as you, Joe's an attorney right now, he's making big coin. He has to have a Brinks truck to take it to the bank once a month, you know, with armed guards. He's making that much money. <laughs> See how he's smiling? So <laughs> I, I got to tell you, though, I love, you know, when you love what you do from going from the police department to now doing this, it's such a great, empowering experience. Like you get to fight back. 
I mean, I'm representing a sergeant in the trial room. I am going to war with this trial commissioner. He just wants it his way. And I'm like, no, it's not going to be your way. And, you know, who do you think you are? You know, did you I'm show not, many? Did you show many video of your, your former fights? You <laughs> <laughs> would be wise to look you know at those. You know what? I, I can see. I, I can see the conversation already. You can, I can see him saying, uh, "Hey, listen, I know who you are, okay? But I, I'm no band leader. I'm no that's band right, leader. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Johnny band, Fontaine oh, does not get that part. Yeah. <laughs> this guy was the best piece way. of ass I ever had, and I've had him all over the world. <laughs> This guy went out of way out of his way to make me look ridiculous. <laughs> and I can't afford to be made to look ridiculous. I can't afford to be made to look ridiculous. Yeah. So you go back <laughs> and you tell him <laughs> I'm no band leader. Yeah. But that's I mean, that's the beauty of what we do. I mean, I, I get to go to war with these people and fight them and uh, you know, and uh, I really do think it's 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 an incredible something that I was owed <laughs> because <laughs> of all the grief I had to suffer that now I get to fight back. You know, well, that's good. I mean, that's good. You're challenging yourself. Um, yeah. You know, whichever way you can do it. You know, wh whatever it is that you do to make uh, the next day exciting. Yeah. Because then you don't have to get caught up in too much of what else is going on. You have you have something that you're focused on. The problem, but it is so is sad, you know. Just like Donald Trump, that guy didn't need to run for president. He's a billionaire. He had such a great business. I'm sure he loved his job, doing The Apprentice, doing all this construction, all, all the stuff that he has. I'm sure he loved it. But he just saw the madness that's going on, and he brought in this wonderful America first us first this is our government our country you know you feel more ownership of the country you know with a leader like that i thought it was wonderful but similarly on a much smaller scale i love what i do but seeing how they were dumping buckets of water on cops the way they're treating them this this diaphragm law you know it's outrageous so did you see that video did you see that video recently and it was a cop from the two five with his female partner and they had a guy on the ground and the male cop was like walking around him afraid to put his knee on his back and the female cop cop came over both both of them were standing on either side of the guy the guy figures out why am i laying here he gets up and starts to run yeah they call for backup when they got him on the ground he had a gun on him and they could have been killed. That could have went real, real bad because they were afraid to put their knee in his back and get his ass cuffed. You know, I have a case right now uh, in the seven seven. I, I got called through the client, went right to the priest and spoke to the cops there. It was a gun case. And just on the side, talking to the officer, I was like, you know, the guy completely was passive, surrendered, uh, told him where the gun was. So... Um, but talking to the officer, I was like, hey, you are you running into this with perps that flee and stuff? He goes, if he ran, I wasn't going to touch him. You know, they're so afraid to put really their hands put on. hands on yeah. people. Yeah. And if you remember last year during my campaign, there was a big article in the Post, a guy that was arrested in transit 
and they're walking him into the priest and he's rear cuffed and he's got a 45 in his waistband sticking out in his waistband. Wow. That can only happen because cops are so afraid to touch people now. Right. Yeah, I mean, true. you made the arrest for whatever it was, fair beating, but you made the arrest. Search him. Hey, let right. me ask you two questions because we, we were, we're over an hour right now. Uh, first of all, what do you think is going to go on with the impeachment? Don't answer that yet. And the second one is Tacoma, Washington. Cops run over uh, the people that surround their car and beating on their car. So those are two questions for you. All right, impeachment. I, I, impeachment is what made me switch. I mean, I was so disgusted what was happening in the Democratic Party anyway, but I was a Democrat. I switched over because it was so unconstitutional the first time they impeached them. This time, I don't see any path to a constitutional impeachment of him. Even when you look at the facts, they're saying he incited this. But if you do the math and you look at the time, by the time he was done speaking, they were already breaching the door. So how could he have incited them? He wasn't even, you know, the timing didn't work. I mean, I was there. We walked down to the Capitol. But by the time we got there, all that stuff had already taken place. But I stayed there listening to his speech before we walked to the Capitol. So I think once they actually play this out, he didn't incite this riot. All right. And the second question was, have you ever seen anything more enjoyable than the Tacoma Washington cops running over the... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did that tickle your heart or what? You know, it's I mean, sad. Oh, I watched it a hundred times. <laughs> and I, I still wasn't done. I, I, I hate to say it, but I could jerk off to that video. <laughs> Seriously, isn't that the greatest thing you ever see? You see when the car goes boom, 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 boom. Yeah. It, it, you it's you bad. Don't to, look, you don't have to co-sign Look what it. they're doing to these cops, though. It's just horrible. You know, and uh, on top of the restraining them for, and allowing these rioters to do what they want, you know, it's just. Well, you know, Joe, it's funny. I was in the gym uh, locker room the other day. And I had my Manhattan North Homicide uh, shirt on. And this kid comes up to me and he goes, hey, you were on the job? I go, yeah, I, I, I did 27 years. He goes, oh, I'm in the academy. And rather than being like, you know, hey, that's good. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I didn't know what to say, you know. <laughs> I said, I feel sorry for you almost, you know, like. You know, my daughter, I would have been so proud. She she uh, took all three tests. She took the city, Nassau, Suffolk. She got 95 in Suffolk. I was like, great, you know, go there. But she got called by the NYPD in her last semester of college. So she deferred to finish her degree. She's like her mother. She's now uh, finished her nursing degree. And uh, I. I would be so proud, no matter what she does, but to be a police officer, but I am scared to death if she was to take the job, you know, because- Yeah, my son is in uh, NYU. not and there, and, and even the quality of the officers that are coming on now, I don't know if it's just because of when we worked with the people we work with, uh, I, I don't think the quality is there. Listen, um, it doesn't matter whether it's there. After you're there for the fifth day of people hitting you head with the bricks, you know, because they all come on, they all want to make a difference. I'm not going to be like these cops yeah. that were here before. You know what I'm saying? 
And then they get there and they start getting hit in the head with bricks. They got calling names, wishing your family dead. Yeah, it's hard. Like somebody who looks possessed. And uh, after a little while, maybe the third day, the fifth day, even if it takes you two weeks, because this thing went on for over a summer and more. Yeah. You look around to your, your right and your left and you realize one thing. The only people that I have that have my back are these my brothers and sisters in blue. So as yeah. much as a change that you wanted to make, you realize this is me. I'm on this side now. This is it. And they yeah. created it. Well, you know, it, it even seems that the unions have gotten weaker. Like, you don't see Pat Lynch. Uh, I mean, he's still fighting for his guys, but it, it, the tone has changed a little bit somewhat. Same thing with Eddie Mullins. You know, it, it seems like they, they've just, they're exasperated at, at what's what's happened, you know? And yeah. it's like, maybe, I don't say they're tired of fighting, but they don't have the same vigor. Well, because I, I got to talk to him because I, I had always believed especially after what I went through and the people who were like gunning for me, why don't we as a union, there is so much corruption out there. The mayor's office, you know, him and his wife doing what they're doing. We have the greatest investigators in the world at our fingertips. Why don't we have a black ops you know, investigative union by the uh, unit. In because the union. Joe, you know, investigation is political. Look at that DOI report, the, uh, the other hit job on the NYPD. Yeah, Letitia James, state attorney general, hit yeah. job. On the, it's all political. You think you know, they're going to allow it? I really wanted to run for Queens DA, and I, I still may again. I'm thinking of challenging her. She is horrible. Yeah. She goes after the ICE officers. They're law enforcement trying to do their job. Who knows how what? long there is even going to be an ICE now, right now? Though. Yeah, right. Is there even going to be an ICE? Because right. it's going right. to get more citizens. Open up the borders. Let the 70% of the... What do you need ICE for, anyway? What do you really need them for? Yeah. You're going to let everybody in. And the, yeah. the irony is that there was uh, a 1,000 migrants meeting up with another 4,000, 5,000 migrants heading to here and then all of a sudden because they heard uh under the new administration there was going to be free entry they're like no no wait 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 we gotta we gotta sort this covid thing out and we're not ready for you yet yeah uh i listen i'm i I believe in the the amnesty for the people that are here in the country already the whole thing is ridiculous if you made it here god bless you you should be able to get it here's your social security card from now on, you pay taxes. Welcome to America. That's what I would do. I would. I totally agree with the amnesty. I, I think that was a, a downfall. We should have addressed that right away. And this way, we could have curtailed, you know, what all this stuff that was whatever. What I, does that include? The, all these felons that are now. No, 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 no. no, no. Get a common. You're gonna get vetted, and it, you know, if you if you're uh, in prison, obviously you're gonna go back to where you know. Your mother had you, and then we're going to be done with you. But for everybody here who's working hard and who's uh, doing the right thing and just doesn't happen to have the papers, what are you going to do? Why make him why? Just give him a social security number, man. Let him get let him get in the mix. Come on. Yeah, I mean, to pull him out of the darkness, yes, but not when you have this porous border and uh, a leadership that has no interest in policing the border, that, where does it end? It's just an open border, well, everyone comes? You could, have, you could have held the border with that if you would have had an amnesty. 
Wait, wait, you're saying by offering amnesty, you're going to hold people the people that are here already. Okay, but you're saying. So you're talking about the dreamers? No, I'm talking about a lot of people that are here already and are saying, no, we don't want you to come. There's a lot of those people. I, w I did the right thing. I came to this country, whatever. I got my papers. There's a lot of those people. But as soon as you grant amnesty, what is that? What message does that send to the people who are thinking are coming now? Well, wow, all I got to do is get in there. Eventually, there'll be another amnesty. Oh, yeah, well, you're right. And and you could, what you could do is you, it's, it's a 10-year thing. Sign up for it now. And then once we get all these people in, we're looking at a 10-year, 15-year thing before we start. We finish with the people that are going to be American citizens now that are already in this country that aren't paying into Social Security, you know, that still reap the benefits. Give them a Social Security number. Let them pay taxes. No, but, the, these, but a lot of these people out of their mind, they want them to come here and they want to give them benefits immediately. But they're so, already getting that. Let them pay taxes. Everybody should know. have to pay taxes. I don't know. These people. I'm not there, Mark. I'm not. I'm, I'm not, not there either. either. No, it's good. No, it's good though. You know, <laughs> you can explain it to me. What do I know? No, I mean, you just let people in, and then if no, day I'm one they get an SSI, they're in. getting I'm full health insurance. What? What are you kidding already. me? People who are here already. <clears throat> you know, it's so funny when you watch like New York. Like you could have went in like the '80s and go in the back of a of a diner and go, "Me, la, la migra, la migra," and they would all run out. Yeah, and then yeah. there was a time where they weren't scared at all. And it's, so why do we have to keep going back through this thing? You made it here. God bless you. We're closing off the borders. We're gonna make sure all the people that are here already are taken care of, and then we're gonna open the borders up again, and we'll do it again in ten years. It sounds wonderful, but it's been done. They've granted amnesty in the past, and now it's even worse. It's almost like, remember under Jimmy Carter, they had those Marielitos boat people? Yeah. Cuba emptied their prisons and sent them to Miami. Yeah, but you would have yeah. never had Scarface if that didn't Yeah, yeah, right. We got a good movie out of it. Yeah, so that equals everything out. And you know, it's funny. is the Look, guy out, that, look uh, out the bad guy. One of the guys <laughs> in that movie, Operation Odessa, he actually, the, the main guy, one of the main guys, he actually came here on that thing. He's like the real Scarface, that guy. Did you see wow. him? Did you see it? No. You got to watch it tonight. Promise me. Operation Odessa. I'm going to watch it okay. again. Okay. Yeah. Freaking great. Wow. <laughs> These guys. You know, Miami is the uh, the place, like they say, um, if you ever watch the documentary Screwball, he says, um, it's the place where if you get in trouble, you're a criminal wherever you are, and you get in trouble, and you can't stay where you are anymore. You always wind up in Miami. <laughs> So it's all criminals there from all over the country. They don't make anything. They don't produce everything, but everybody's got a scam. Yeah, that's you know? right. With the favorite line from Scarface was say hello to my little friend. I love that one. <laughs> Thank you, MC Audio, for giving me that reminder there. Yo. How about when he said to his wife, your womb is polluted. <laughs> we can't even have a kid. That's right. Your womb, your womb is polluted. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we're at 817. What are we doing? Uh, you got anything to promote yeah, that? Yeah, I got, we got to Oh, let him promote his law practice. Tell us about Listen, it. Listen, not even my law practice. Like, we, we really have to dig in here. The greatest thing about this Trump campaign was I've never seen more people getting involved in politics. Look at the voter apathy that we've had in New York, de Blasio. I think he got 11% of the voting uh, 
uh, eligible voters who voted for him. I mean, so much, so much more apathy. I think people have woken up and they're more involved and they yeah, see Yeah, yeah, Joe, they, they got woke. They're woke. <laughs> <laughs> they're woke. That's about how woke up they got. <laughs> it, it's really, I mean, even me, I wasn't, you know, that very much political. I voted, but I, I wasn't really much involved. Now I get involved in campaigns. Uh, ever since my campaign, I'm supporting more candidates, you know, running and helping them along. So that that's hey, what, what I what really happened wanted. to uh, the guy that we had on our show that ran for Queens. Uh... He won. He won on election night. I he know. Swazi. <laughs> that was another one of those mail-in things. That Santos. Could... And yeah. then I was on Santos. his team doing the, uh, the uh, absentee, the mail-in ballots. Angela and I worked on his team doing the mail-in ballots. We, you wouldn't believe this. I was going crazy. They never let us look at the ballot. We sat at the table. They took a razor and sliced open the envelope took the ballot out, unfolded it upside down and flattened it out. That was it. That was why we were there. It's outrageous. And Swazi is a longtime Democrat from Glen Cove, Long Island. I guess he moved into Queens, but his family was big in politics and they were from Glen Cove. I, I just could not believe it. You know, what was I happening? thought just the, the on the strength of George Santos being on police off the cuff, he was going to win in a landslide. That's what, what really <laughs> propelled him. I'm telling you, I believe in that. <laughs> Joe, you know, and I saw him at all the rallies. We had a lot of, uh, you know, rallies on Long Island, you know, pro-law enforcement. He was speaking at every one of them. You guys gave him that. All right, we, listen, we got to uh, probably fold up the tent soon, but we want to do some shouting out to our, our great, great fans. Uh, of course, Peter Pranzo, Bill Ryan, Cat in the Hat. I love that name. I, I love that Cat in the Hat name. Uh, we got some really good shows coming up. Mark and I have been... Um, Mark just was on MC Audio. That kid's going to be a great broadcaster. Yeah, uh, check him out. Check him out. He is really going to be a talented, talented broadcaster. He's one of, uh, he, he, he tunes in tonight. Uh, he's listened to every single one of our podcasts. He's stealing our shit, but he's talented, though. No, no, I'm trying to uh, think of what the name of his show is right now. Go ahead. Keep talking, and I'll, I'll give it All to right. You. Anyway, uh, Ryan Investigation, Peter Pranzo, uh, Janine Lewis, Paula Fernandez. I love that name. Uh, Cat in the Hat, we mentioned you before. Um, Lisa Marie. I'm trying to go through everyone that I can give a shout-out to. Linda Barrett. Uh Heidi, Heidi Lee, you love us. We love you too, Heidi. Uh, Lorena, some people from California watching this. It's unbelievable. Linda Barrett, Green Eggs and Ham. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Anyway, right, well, Mark, well, I, I was going to say, Mark is doing a show called One on One with Mark DeMeo. Uh, I think he's still calling it that. He was thinking of changing it to Ask a Cop. I'm doing some other episodes of uh, Real Crime Stories. This Wednesday night, I'm on with uh, Irma Rivera, the retired Manhattan South Homicide cop, and Michael O'Keefe, and we're going to go over the uh, Night Stalker case that was seen on Netflix. But we got some really exciting stuff, and Mark's getting back into comedy again, so maybe you get to see him in a club soon. Thanks. I wanted to uh, just clarify something. Uh, Mike in New Haven, M-I-C, uh, apostrophe D. In Mike did right. Right. Mikey mm -hmm. Cologne, 
uh, Mike the New Haven. I did his podcast today. He's uh, very talented, good kid. He goes, uh, he follows us under MC Audio. Uh, I see a bright few, uh, future for him. And, uh, you know, I see hey, a du- bright- Duty Ron just threw us a sore buck. Thanks, Duty Ron. Thank you. Thank you, Duty Ron. <laughs> You're Joe Murray, thank you for being handsome as ever. <laughs> you come on the show, you light up the screen. You know, it doesn't even matter. We can mute you and, and chicks would, would still watch. <laughs> There's Joe when he was a real handsome boxer. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, hey. Man, he was he was a good looking fella there, huh? You know what? He looks in that like in that picture, he looks like he got he he got hit with so many lefts, he was begging for a right. <laughs> no, no, Joe, you know something? I mean, Mark. It looks like his off-duty job was a porn star with that mustache, right? <laughs> right. That mustache, right. <laughs> and he's got it back. Look at that now. Now he's more serious. Yeah, listen. Look at that. No. That's his attorney face. Yeah, yes. I there got you. Is, there he is. You know what that face oh, is? Yeah. The face is, I got you. That should be the name of your, your company. I got you. There he is. How great would that be? I got could you. Be like, it could be I like selling you. Earl, Schreiber, Earl Schreiber paint jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Hey, oh, let me tell you something, man. That's a good name. I got you. Hey, let me tell you about Mike O'Keefe. He was the first guy I went to. I said, Mike, if I get in, you got to get on my DA squad. I, I was forming something called the Untouchable Squad. Uh-huh. Real hard-hitting guys like Mike O'Keefe. We don't care. Democrat, Republican, we're going after corruption. You well, know? Was, would, you buy, would you buy a used car from this man? <laughs> Listen. If all those guys bail out on you and you're down to your luck, call me. I'll do it. Listen, <laughs> come on, man. There he is, Joe Murray for District like Attorney. Like fish in a barrel. 2024, when's the next race, Joe? Yeah, for crying out uh, loud. Listen, if I run against our Attorney General, uh, that's 2022. I'd love to run against Cuomo. I better see somebody of character and quality challenging him because he's just a moron. Joe, look at this. What do you want from me? Oh, listen. Oh, hey, what do you want from me? <laughs> well, and that, I, I never forgot that. Cuomo sued me when I was a cop, and he went he after really? me. So I'm going after him. Joe, who's the woman next to you there? Oh, that's Liz Crowley. <laughs> you that's one against... of the Crowley sisters, yeah. Oh, okay. From the Aussie song? We, we were speaking at... Uh, Crowley. Doom, doom, doom. At Bayside... Uh, yeah, the, the Bayside Civic. This is great. Um, Joe, thank you for... Uh, what happened? I went back to the regular screen. You want me to go back to his face again? No, no, no. I lost you over here. Oh, you did? Oh. Am I back? No, no. Can't, oh. oh, there you go. Yeah. I see I myself know, on the screen. popped across my screen. It was scary. Oh, all right. But anyway, uh, I was as scared as anybody would be that lost... Joe Murray's face for a second. <laughs> listen, listen. Let's oh, hope police off the cuff never my, needs uh... an attorney. Joe, let's hope police off the cuff never needs an attorney. But if yeah, we do, right? we're going to be calling you on the phone. Hey, Joe. Right. Joe. Yeah, <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming in. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, thank you, Duty Ron, for helping us out with the show here. Uh, I can't. We can't even express. I mean, Bill. His fans, Duty Run, your fans are coming to see us from California, from yeah, Florida, from all over the country. Thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. They legitimized us. Um, yeah. Thank you, everybody who turned in tonight. We'll be back Thursday night. Who do With we got Chief, Thursday? Chief Mike Blake. 
Okay. Uh, great, great guy. He was a sergeant with me in the 2-4. Excellent dude, man. Uh-huh. All right. So cool. we'll be talking to Mike Blake on Thursday. Thanks, everyone. Are we ready to just anyone have any last words? Love it, man. Love the show. All right, brother. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for coming again, Joe. Yeah. My really pleasure. Appreciate it. Anytime. You're always welcome. That's right. All right. Good night, everyone. Later. All right. Good night.